Good evening. It certainly is a pleasure to be able to share in this time of worship with you today. And if you were not here this morning, I'm pretty sure that's why the crowd is where it is right now. I do believe that uh, our 6th through 12th graders have returned from their retreat. And it's been good news that you all have had such a wonderful time together. I do appreciate the kind words that, that David shared this morning. Uh, but boy, it made me a little nervous this afternoon, that's for sure. I do hope as we continue in our time of worship together that uh, we can look into God's Word and we can see what it has to, to tell us about the value of saving souls. If you're visiting with us tonight, we're glad you're here and you're our honored guest. Our intent is to get to know you a little bit better and to welcome you back in any chance that you have. I know there's much going on good in this congregation, as David mentioned this morning. I know our ladies are looking forward to their ladies' retreat next weekend. And just two weeks from today, we will be hosting our annual Friends Day. And as David mentioned, I hope that you're prayerfully considering those who you'll be inviting for that day. You should know that the plans and details are being covered right now to ensure that you have every opportunity to take advantage of that time, to be able to influence, to, to be able to invite, to bring somebody that you care about and that you love closer to Christ that day. We will be sharing in the time that afternoon at 4 o'clock at worship uh, and fellowship to follow at Charlie Daniels Park. And I hope you make plans to attend and participate in that day. There are cards in the foyer that have been made. You can use these to invite your friends, to mail them to them, to give away, and to take the opportunity to share Christ with someone that you love. Tonight, the question and the topic is really simple, but not easy. Are you open? Are you open to valuing souls? Tonight's text will be taken from Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning there. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 is where we'll begin. But before we get into our text this evening, as way of illustration and introduction, I'd like to make you a simple offer. And if you would, just think for me for a moment. If I were to offer every individual here one brand new, crisp, clean, hot off the press, $10 bill. I feel safe to say that there would not be an individual here who would not accept that offer. But if I were to take that crisp, clean, new $10 bill and begin to add a few crinkles, a few wrinkles, maybe even a few tears, but the offer was still there with no strings attached, would you accept that offer? I still feel safe to say that each of us would probably accept that offer. But yet if I was to take that same $10 bill and not only add in a few wrinkles and a few tears and a few scars, but to take it out in the parking lot and find the muddiest pothole I could find and drag it through it, would you still accept it? No strings attached. I still feel safe to say that there would not be an individual here who would not accept that simple offer. Because you see, you and I understand very well the value of a $10 bill, don't we? And in our society, in our economy today, it stands and represents as an immediate exchange for some goods or service 
that may benefit us. We can take that $10 bill down to the local supermarket and whether it's a brand new, crisp, clean $10 bill or one that's been a little wrinkled and scarred or maybe even a little dirty, it will still spend the same, won't it? That $10 hasn't always had the same value it has today. I can remember when Charlotte and I first got married, $10 would fill up the gas tank on our car. And that was from empty. Today, we'd be good to put in the last three gallons with that, wouldn't we? But I'm sure there are some of you who have spent more years on this earth than I have who would also say that you can remember when $10 would go farther than that. You see, the point is that you and I know and, and understand very well the concept of value. In our economy today, green, cold, hard cash stands for something of value, does it not? We can relate in a physical sense to something that has value. We do it each and every day. Tomorrow, many of us will get up out of bed and we'll go and exchange our time to earn a living. And when we earn that living, we'll go and exchange what we have earned for something that may benefit us, that may be needed, or that we desire. Some of you may exchange your time to helping someone else. You see, each of us understands this concept of exchanging something we have in hopes for something of value. But God tells us in his holy word that there is something of value that each of us possesses that is far greater than all the wealth of the world. As we examine the question and we try to answer for ourselves tonight, are you open to valuing souls? We'll look into God's word to help us understand a few thoughts as we relate to that. And that is that the soul is God's unique creation. That Jesus Christ himself has revealed its worth. And finally, that the price has already been paid for its salvation. As we turn to the scriptures tonight, we'll look beginning here in Mark 8 and verse 36, where Jesus himself poses a very simple yet profound question. He says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, tonight as we examine that question, we'll, we'll look at these topics and these points. God's unique creation is in each of us. We can look back at the beginning of his word and we can see from the beginning of time how that we are his unique creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 read, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all every creeping thing on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And in chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
You ever stop to think what it really means and truly means to be made in the image of God? You know, in a physical sense, we can look around us and we can recognize very quickly that you and I are different. In our characteristics, in our mannerisms, in our, our physicality, we are different. And when we begin to put to idea the fact that we can recognize differences physically, it brings new meaning to the idea that we are made in God's image. You see, the older I get and the farther down the path of fatherhood I get, it's becoming very interesting to me to recognize the similarities in me and my son. You know, on several occasions just recently, I can remember having Brayton with me and introducing to him to someone that I know or have worked with, and the immediate response or look on their face after he's parted is, man, that's a mini Doug. You see, it's easy for us to understand and relate to physical nature. But you and I are different in that sense. But we are, same, are the same in the sense that God has created us in his image. In the likeness of him, we were created. The point is, is that our soul is made in his likeness. It is a spiritual nature. David helps us to understand that better in the Psalms. He writes in chapter 139 of Psalms, beginning in verse 13. He helps us to understand and recognize that God has not only created us unique, but that he has re recognized our soul at conception. Psalms 139, verse 13 begins, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You see, what David is saying here is that he knows that God recognized his soul at conception. He recognized that while he was yet in his mother's womb, God knew him just as he did you and just as he did me. But it's the sad state of morality in our, our society today. Isn't it interesting how they place no value in the same place where God says, that's where your value begins. We're created uniquely he knows and recognizes our soul at conception. The other thing we must understand about our soul is that it's eternal. We can read in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 through 18, we understand it this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen but the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal God has created us unique he recognizes our soul at conception and he knows that our soul is eternal you know, God also tells us through the prophet Ezekiel in verse 
4 of chapter 18, he says, Behold, all souls are mine. The souls of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. We were created by him and we are his. Our soul belongs to him. Solomon in all his wisdom kind of brings it to a close though. If you say we have the beginning of creation, we have God recognizing us at conception and we know our soul is eternal, well then what? Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7, then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. When we begin to understand that God created our souls unique, we were created in his image, we can begin to understand why God values each and every soul that he created. And secondly, we know that Christ has revealed its worth through the many teachings and parables and through his life, Christ has revealed to us the value of each and every soul. You see, it's sin that separates us from God. Isaiah 59 and 2 tells us that it's the sin in our lives in which God will no longer look upon us. But Christ has helped us to understand that there is something much more out of life. And living in a world of of sin, living in a world where sin is all around us each and every day. If you would be turning over to Luke chapter 15, we're going to spend some time here looking at one of Jesus' parables. It's one that we're all very familiar with. It's one that helps us understand how Jesus' teaching proves the worth of our soul. Beginning in Luke chapter 15, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who needs no repentance. It's a simple parable, yet it helps us really understand how Christ puts into perspective the value of our souls. That sheep was lost. There was one out there that was lost, yet we still had some in the fold. There were 99 that were still there. We could spend our time looking at them and saying, well, what matters of the one that's lost? I've got 99 left. Christ says, no. Which one of you would not go out in search of that one that was lost to bring him back into the fold? See, Christ knows the value of every soul. It's worth searching. It's worth finding. It's worth looking on your own street, in your own neighborhood, in our own town. And it's worth looking in Brazil. We can go all over this world carrying out what God and what Jesus has commanded us to do, to seek and to save the lost. But further in chapter 15, uh, we can see that uh, uh, the parable of the lost coin 
Continue on in verse 8, it says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just one. He's looking for that next one. Are you looking for one? In Matthew chapter 5 and 10 through 12, Jesus tells us that our soul is worth the persecution that we may have to endure. In Matthew 5, 10 through 12, we see here the Beatitudes and in Christ preaching this sermon, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, Jesus tells us here in these verses that there's going to be a reward for us. If we are true to his will and find ourselves righteous in the end. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh, we're not the first ones to have to endure. The prophets did as well when they were speaking of God, when they were telling the children of Israel what was to come. But he also goes on to tell us in that same chapter in verse 17 how he has come to fulfill the law. And in so it's worth keeping his commandments. Verse 17 says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is fulfilled. Jumping on down to 20, he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus tells us here that it's worth the commitment to his will and to following his commandments. He came to fulfill the law. He came to make it perfect. He came to make it complete. And in doing so, we find worth in following his commandments. But finally tonight, as we look to answering that question, are you open to valuing souls? I think it's important that we understand that the price for our souls has already been paid. You and I can't change that. You see, Christ came not only to fulfill the law, to fulfill the prophets, that we, he would be that perfect, blemish-free sacrifice for our sins. In Matthew 26, 37 through 39, it reads, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
You see, Christ knew the price that was on his head for our souls. It had to be his blood once and for all to save us from our sins. In Galatians 4 and 5, Galatians 4 and verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. 1 Peter 2 and 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. God sent his son. He sent his son to be the perfect sacrifice for our souls. He created each and every soul unique. God revealed the worth of each and every soul, that it's worth looking for one more. And in the end, if we're found faithful, the price has already been paid for your soul and for mine. So where does that leave us? The answer to the question for yourself, are you open? Are you open to valuing souls? You know, some years ago, a game show came out. It became very popular. I actually enjoyed watching it myself. It was called Deal or No Deal. Many of you probably have watched. Howie Mandel, a very energetic uh, type host. Uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance, if you would, over winning the cash prize. And it's very interesting to watch as you watch the players contend for guessing which case has the million dollars. And the first proposal they have is to open a certain number of cases. And if they don't hit the million dollars, the banker gives them another proposal. And that is, you can walk away right now with said money, no strings attached, and that's your prize. But it's interesting to watch the players as they kind of reason with themselves and they even reason with their family members to say, is it enough? Maybe my next round I'll be able to pick that case so that I can eliminate all the ones that don't have the money in it that I want. You see, if we go back to that illustration of that $10, God has put value on our souls that we see differently sometimes, don't we? You see, we can look at a soul and we may be looking for the ones that are brand new and crisp and clean. But the ones who are a little tattered and torn to God, they are the same. The ones that have a little bit of dirt to God, they are the same. It's the same blood of Jesus that saves our souls, that saves others. And it's if we walk around and we play that old game ourselves with those who we come in contact with. Are they worth enough? Deal or no deal? Boom. We go around and we look at another and we say, I don't know if they're worthy. Deal or no deal? Boom. But friends, we aren't part of that deal. That price has already been paid. It's not up to you and I to decide the worthiness of a soul. It's not up to us to decide deal or no deal. God would to call to him all souls, 
They are precious to him. Tonight, I hope we've looked at a few ideas and a few thoughts that would help you to understand that God's value of a soul is worth our consideration.